When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. We observe today not a victory of party, but a celebration of freedom. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. The Human Zoo, where they don't hide away the sick animals. Dangerous mid-morning debate with the great dictator. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Stand to attention when I'm talking to you! On Talk Radio. Dismiss! Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio as we meander towards the end of another week of excitement and edge over co- ever closer to a no-deal Brexit. The noise and fury around the concept of leaving the European Union without a specific deal is sending all the Remainers into a frenzy. Even the scientific community's gone a bit bonkers this morning. Uh, one of the former Nobel, Peace, uh, Nobel Prize winners has said it's all going to be terrible for science. Well, of course, we did manage to actually find and invent penicillin before the European Union was ever around, didn't we? I'm not going to get into around with the Nobel Prize winning scientist. However, uh, I do smell a bit of a rat here. BBC Newsnight was forced to retract a story just the other day. They'd reported that 27,000 cattle would be culled in Northern Ireland post-Brexit. However, the farmers' union in that part of the world said the story was untrue and the figures were, in their words, plucked from the air. Where are these people getting all this stuff from? Now Jeremy Corbyn is accusing the Prime Minister of an abuse of power by plotting to hold an election. Remember those? The things that actually dictate how we are represented in Parliament? An abuse of power? How does he work that one out? Has the leader of the opposition finally gone over the edge? If you look at his numbers, you might be forgiven for saying so. Some of the lowest polling in the history of the Labour Party and the Labour Party itself losing over 100 members a day thanks to Jeremy Corbyn, his fence-sitting on Europe and the anti-Semitism problem, which, by the way, people, is still a problem. Meanwhile, we've got reports this morning that the super-rich are fleeing the country just in case he gets in. And that's already costing us around about two billion quid uh, to the tax coffers. 0344 499 1000. Coming up later on, we'll be asking why on earth we should stop eating meat just to save the planet. Apparently, that's the latest from the eco-maniacs, some of whom are staggering around in Woolwich this morning, uh, apparently trying to stop traffic and create more pollution. Why Premier League football clubs are struggling to pay a living wage to their workers despite the billions that they have in the bank. And because it's Friday, of course, it's time for another sparkling edition of the Perrier Awards, an homage to my 
my brilliance in broadcasting. Because it's my birthday, surely I'm going to win every one today, aren't I? 0344 499 1000. You're listening to me, Mike Graham, right here on Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Now, we've heard, have we not, pretty much everything this year. We've heard about how terrible it is uh, if you drive a car, how awful it is if you fly a plane. Emma Thompson herself flew in from Los Angeles to tell us that we should all stop living lives as if we were modern 21st century people who actually quite enjoyed having a wood-burning stove, having electricity, uh, having the ability to fly to nice parts of the world and have nice holidays. No, you can't do any of that. Instead, you've got to glue yourself to the road, you've got to only eat vegetables, uh, and you've got to not harm any animals as a result. And that way, we won't all die a horrible death in 2030. I mean, for God's sake, let's talk to Aldo Zilli and get some common sense into the conversation. Aldo, very good uh, morning to you. Welcome. Are you sure you're talking to the right person, Mike? Yes, well, I mean, I think I am talking to the right person because I can't imagine... <laughs> this <is> subject. <laughs> I can't imagine that you would endorse uh, these planks who want us to all give up eating meat in order to save the planet. Because they say uh, the, fewer wild, the fewer sort of uh, uh, animals that roam the planet, the, the sooner we will have a better environment to live in. Well, you know, um, eating less meat is oh, it's very good for you to be honest. Yeah. Uh, there's lots of fish you can eat. There's lots of protein you can get from grains. There's a lots of, um, you know, I was a vegan for a month last year. Oh, wait, how did that go? And, and I did feel very, very different. I had more energy. I had more, um, you know, I was thinking better, and uh, but I didn't last very long mm. uh, because I'm a chef and I have to cook and I have to taste and I have to, you know, I have restaurants to, to deal with. San Carlo restaurants wouldn't allow me to be a vegan chef. No. No, I mean, I've eaten in your restaurants, right? I've eaten in your restaurants, and one of the finest dishes that I had, actually, uh, didn't have any meat in it. It was fettuccine Alfredo. It was lovely, right? And there was, you know, it was very cheesy. It was lovely. But, I mean, the point is about eating is that you eat all sorts of different things, don't you? I mean, of course you're not going to eat meat all the time and eat hamburgers and steaks all the time. That's not going to be good for you. But I don't want to be told not to eat it at all. Yeah, I mean, it's the being told that we don't like in this country. You know, people... People tell us, you know, and it's also a trend. You know, trends change, and uh, you know, the veganism has got massive. Yeah, uh, vegetarianism has got massive. I opened the vegetarian restaurant 15 years ago in Dean Street, and uh, I I never forget how, how popular it was. But then it just fizzled out. It wasn't, you know, it was just like a, a phase. And then if I opened it now, it'd probably be a lot, a lot more. Popular. Yeah. But, well, listen, you know, a lot of my friends are vegetarians and, and it's no longer um, something that you have to look down upon or it's no longer something you make fun of people for being vegetarians. But there is a problem. I mean, there's an old joke which people say to me uh, is, you know, why did the vegan cross the road? And the answer is to tell you he's a vegan. You know, because they can't, yeah, yeah, they can't, yeah. you know, they can't, they have to tell everybody. You can't just be a quiet vegan. You can't just be a, a, a vegan who enjoys eating whatever it is you want to eat. You have to well, tell I mean, everyone. You know, the can carnivorous people, you know, people that eat a lot of meat, they don't go around telling you that they eat a lot of steak, no. do they? No, exactly. Uh, you know, there's a lot of steak restaurants in London that are thriving like you don't know, you know? So people are still very hungry for meat. And we don't want to be told what to eat or what not to eat. Mm. When, it, when people come to our restaurants, of course, now nowadays you have to have the option. You know, we have to have the vegan option, the vegetarian option, the gluten-free option. You know, everybody's got some kind of uh, allergy or, or some kind of problem with their diet. So we have to adjust our menus 
mm. literally, literally every two or three months, we have to readjust that menu. Yeah and come up with different alternatives. And do you do... I mean, it must be a, quite an expensive thing to have to do as well, because if you're going to do it properly, and I'm sure you do, you cannot use the same utensils for vegan food and vegetarian food and, and carnivorous food, can you? You have to have completely separate um, pots and pans, and you have to have completely separate spoons, ladles, everything. Well, this is it. I mean, you know, you can't cook pasta, you know, uh, gluten-free pasta in the same water that you cook in uh, a normal pasta. Yeah. That's... that's the, uh, that's the other problem. And of, of course, veg if you're a, a serious vegan vegetarian, you will go to a vegan vegetarian restaurant. Yeah. You will not come to a restaurant where the kitchen is not vegetarian, it's full of fish and meat. Sure. That's, that's the other problem we have. And, you know, uh, it's going it's to get bigger and bigger. I mean, you know, now we, we, you know, I'm just about to buy a car and I've been advised very heavily not to buy diesel. Uh, you see, you know, I was talking to somebody about that the other day, and they said actually it's quite a good time to buy diesel. So you never depends who you listen to, because when the diesel cars are getting cheaper, but it depends on how long you want to have it for. Well, exactly. I mean, the new diesel cars—they're not—they're not much worse than petrol cars. They're not. No. If, you are, if you ask me, but you know, I've been advised so heavily to to uh, buy a petrol car, and I always had diesel. So it's a bit, you know, the whole. The whole world is changing. It is. You know, now, are you one of those people... Uh, I don't think you are, but I'm going to ask you the question. Are you one of those people that would not drive a diesel car because other people might tell you off? Because you get a lot of that, you know, what they call peer pressure, and they look at you and they go, look at Aldo Zilli, look, he's a pig. He drives a diesel car. Well, um, uh, no, I'm not. You know, you know, Mike. I didn't uh, think I'm, you were. I, I am my own man. Thank I, God. At, at five, I eat, I... I you know, I have my diet, I have my family, I have, uh, you know, I have two young children, a young wife, and, and uh, you know, it's not it, it's not what we do at home, it's what we do at home. Yeah. And, and uh, things are not going to change because uh, people are telling me to change. No, of course. And what about your kids? Do you, do you give them a sort of very mixed diet? How, how, do, how do they eat? Yeah, they eat very, um, you know, the, I mean, my, my son, my little boy is very into me, he's growing, he's 13 years old, and He's a footballer, so he has to eat lots of protein. Yeah, and and uh, yeah, his diet is fish, meat. Uh, you know, it's and my little girl is more vegetarian. If you like, cause right. she she's more worried about the animal fare. So, sure. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's fine too. But let tell me this. What about when you talk to people about the their, their, their sort of alternatives to meat, right? Because there are plenty of reasons. I mean, I've, I've, I've often been in Indian restaurants where I've just had the vegetarian food because it's really good. You know, I've yes. often eaten, you know, vegetarian food because um, the mother of my children is also a vegetarian and she will sometimes cook things which are vegetarian and I won't bother making a meat alternative. You know, yeah, there's, yeah. I don't have to eat meat every day. And there are plenty of times when I don't. But what what can you tell people who would say, "Oh no, I have to eat meat every day"? Tell, tell them something to try. No, definitely not. I mean, without realizing, um, in general, we eat vegetarian foods two or three times a week without even realizing. Yeah. Uh, like pasta, that come, kind of thing. Yeah. Even people that come to our restaurants, you know, they they order vegetarian food without them knowing that they're ordering vegetarian food. So you know, it's a, it's an awareness really, and if you can stop, if you can keep away from meat at least three or four times a week, then, you know, you're, you're, you're doing your bit, your bit aren't you? And, you, and you're eating a good, good balanced diet. Well, it's a good balanced diet. I mean, I think for most people, if you said to them, look, you know, we're not telling you to do this because we need to save the planet. I don't believe we need to save the planet. I think the planet's going to be just fine. What I'm saying is, though, uh, if it's actually healthier, then by all means, you know, have a go, give it a go. It's 100% healthier. That's, that's the thing, you see. If you're eating too much red meat, it's definitely not good for us.
Right. Uh, so you know, eating eating vegetables and and fish is going to be better for us than than, than eating too much meat every day. Yeah. Next thing so, they're going to say though is you're finishing all the fish off from the ocean, so stop eating fish. That'll be the next thing. Well, that's that'll be the next thing, isn't it? So. You know, it's it's very you know, but far there's a lot of farmed fish now anyway. So yeah. It, you know, the, the fish doesn't really come from the sea. No. Uh, you know, it's uh, you, you can get fish any time of the year, so it's got to be farmed. And and vegetables the same way. So you know, we we we're not going to run out of food in a hurry. I don't think. I really don't think so. And uh, well, on that subject, since you are in the restaurant business, are you worried about the food running out on October the 31st? And when you open your restaurant Friday, November the 1st, which I'm asking to be made into a bank holiday so I can, uh, you know, come to your lovely restaurant and eat for lunch, um, are you worried you're not going to have any food? Well, uh, you know, we have 25 restaurants in the San Carlo Restaurant Group, and of course we worry because we deal with Italy every day. We import, um, you know, all our great food from uh, different different uh, parts of Italy, we have 20 regions of Italy, we use all of them. Right. And uh, come the 31st of October, like you said, is going to be, you know, what what is going to happen? Is it going to get... Um, ultimately, I think who's going to suffer is you guys, the consumer, because the prices have to go up. Yeah, but you mean, the prices are always going up. I mean, that's, that's just the way of the world, isn't it? I mean, I've never heard yeah. of anyone saying because of something happening, prices are going to go down. No, but this is, uh, I hope this is, people don't use this as an excuse. You know, the, the yeah, price they will, go up they? because of Brexit. And, and some, some chains, some restaurant groups will. But, you know, we, we will try our best to, you know, we, we've been around for years. Yes. And we will try our best to uh, keep doing what we do best and uh, serve fresh food and, uh, you know, keep it local. You know, sure. we, we will buy from England as much as we can. Sure, absolutely right. Let me ask you just one final question, Alan, because we were talking about different diets and, you know, things like gluten-free, pasta and all that. You know, what do you make of the fact that so many people now are gluten intolerant and, and, and have so, so many different sort of, you know, food needs? Because I part of me uh, understands that some people can have reactions to things, but part of me also wonders that because we've now kind of allowed for it, that more people have gone down that route. Well, I mean, gluten is it's not great for you. So, you know, people... They eat too much gluten is obviously not good for you and for your diet and, you know, bloats you up and all the rest of some. So there will be people that come to the restaurants and want gluten-free pasta, but not necessarily, they're not necessarily allergic. They just want to eat less gluten. They, yeah. they just don't want to feel that because there's a lot of gluten-free pasta on the market now that is actually very good. Uh -huh. You know, the... Ten years ago, gluten-free pasta was rubbish. It was yeah. terrible. It was yeah, bad. I mean, to me, it's a bit like brown rice, though. You know, I've never liked brown exactly. rice. I don't want yeah. to eat brown rice. I'm never eating it in my life. It tastes like uh, cement to me. Absolutely. So, you know, I mean, I'm saying absolutely, <laughs> but that's because you said it. Uh, <laughs> it's the power <laughs> of suggestion. I, like brown rice. I, I didn't listen. I didn't see any brown rice on the on the menu in the in the haymarket when I was there the other week. No, no, you won't. You won't. It's the risotto's made with risotto rice. <laughs> Very nice martinis, though, I have to say. And it's white, yeah. Come and have a martini. I will. I'm, I'm based in Regent Street now. Come to Regent Street. Yeah, no, Street. that's the one I went to. Yeah, in, in the, San Carlo. In the, the new one, yeah. Yeah, the new one. Really? Yeah, they didn't tell you. I came in, I was like, where's Aldo? They went, you just missed him. There you go, you see, I'm always, I'm always missed. <laughs>
There we go. Well, listen, I'll come and see you soon, um, maybe after the summer, uh, before the uh, before the, the doldrums of the autumn kick in and you run out of food. Uh, of course they're not going to run out of food. Nobody's going to run out of anything. There'll be plenty of red wine, there'll be plenty of tomatoes, there'll be plenty of pasta, there'll be plenty of prawns and steak and all the rest of it. If you want to be a vegan, that's fine. Just you don't have to tell everybody about it, do you? 0344 499 1000. And there's no evidence whatsoever, as ever, uh, that the United Nations have got this right in the same way they got everything else wrong anyway. They're saying eat less red meat and save the planet. Well, the planet ain't going anywhere. Aldo Zilli, thank you very much indeed. This is Talk Radio. A mid-morning dance with the devil. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. On Talk Radio. Shaking all over. Back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. Now, apparently, uh, that was a song that was number one in the week that I was born. Johnny Kidd, I think it was. Shaking all over. It's not bad, that. But pleased that it's not so ancient that uh, everybody hates it. But let's go to the phones. John uh, is in Canterbury, wants to talk about giving up meat. Hello, John. Hi, how are you? Very well indeed. What do you want to tell me? Um, so I gave up meat after I looked at my carbon footprint on my environmental science course at uni. Did you? How- yeah, so I, I did environment science, and I found the biggest thing I could do to reduce it was to stop eating meat. Uh-huh. What is your carbon that? footprint? Uh, so the main thing was meat eating, then it was flying. No, but I mean, do you, does it have a number, I mean? No, it's done as a pie chart. A pie chart? No, but I mean, but when you say your carbon footprint, surely there's an amount of carbon that oh, you, was, I, that I you create. Remember. You can't remember. No, I, I was looking more at the proportions. Over oh, what I see. I All right, up. so how did it break down then? I'll do a little um, pie chart while we speak. So the largest thing was meat eating uh-huh. um, and then flying, because uh, I've been on quite a few exotic holidays, was quite similar to the amount of fossil fuels I'd used. Exotic holidays? Well, I mean, not not super exotic, but places like uh, Morocco and, uh-huh. and stuff. Um, All right, so what proportion was meat then? Uh, it was about... A quarter. Okay, so I'm going to put down a quarter, 25%. Okay. Quite a quarter, yeah. All right, flying was how much? Uh, off the top of my head, I don't know the exact bit. It was about 15, about 15, 20. Right, okay. Next. What else? Uh, so similar was fossil fuels. Isn't that part of flying? Uh, no, so I'm talking about like energy production. All right, so another 15% fossil fuels. Okay. Yep. So we're up to uh, 55% so far. Yeah. What else? <laughs> um, so transport would have been just um, non-flying transport. Well, hang on. You can't have cars. flying and transport and fossil fuels. That's three same categories, isn't it? Well, they just asked you lots of questions and then know if they had flying. Well, I hope you were better at answering them than you are today. Sorry, what? I said, I hope you were better at answering the questions than you are today. Well, I mean, so basically... Yeah, it sounds to me point. like you've given up meat, which is fine, perfectly entitled to do so, but... I think you're you're basing it on something which is not very scientific, aren't you? No, this is a so this is a scientific program where you answer lots of questions and then it comes with a pie chart of your carbon. Yeah, but footprint. your pie chart so far has only given me fifty five percent. So where's the other forty five? 
I mean, the point is, it was just one thing that I, I put in the results and then I saw it and I looked at the rough proportions and I gave up the thing that was biggest. I, I'm, I'm not going to you know, say I know the proportions off the top of my head, I but I have done further research. Um, so I found that free-range meat, um, raising a free-range animal, causes roughly half the emissions of a battery animal due to energy for lighting, heating, and all the grain a battery animal eats. So uh-huh. I switched to that. I also reduced my consumption. So, what, so you eat organic meat now? Um, yeah, so I switched to free range and organic meat after that point. Um, oh, I mean, I, I thought stopped. you said you gave up eating meat. Yeah, I was just about to go on. So I, when I saw um, a video of a slaughter of a chicken, you know, that wasn't stunned properly and was fully conscious when um, they had their throats cut and went into hot tar for the feather. Why did you want to look at that? Kind of, um, so I wanted to know about about what I what I eat. I wanted to get like a proper understanding of it because... But I mean, in order to eat food, right, you have to kill it first, unfortunately. You know, it's not oh, particularly pretty... It's not a particularly pretty prospect and it's normally not a very nice thing to look at. Mm. You know? No, and if I killed something myself, I'd be happy to kill something myself would if you? I could raise it in my... Yeah, if I had gone to the head, I would do it. You would um, shoot an animal in the head? Yeah, if it was... If it was something that was for the best... Um, so say well, I don't think gonna... you can ever argue that it's for the best, really, can you? So you go. So here's something that's going to be for the best. I'm going to shoot you in the head. <laughs> well, I, I, I think you're a bit mixed a... up, John. To be honest. Well, I think I think the point is, if something, for example, if something is dying, then I would happily, you know, shoot it to stop it being in pain. Well, like your but, argument. But well, what, all I'm trying, I'm not trying to what say. About, that... uh, what about your carbon footprint now? How how much have you reduced it by? Um, so I haven't looked at it mathematically. I've really? taken, I've stopped flying. Um, have you? To, yeah, I haven't flown in five years. I might fly again, but I've consciously tried to, you know, have holidays in the UK. Okay. Uh, so look, where are you going? No, where are you going this summer then? Um, I went to Devon. Devon. I mean, look, there's loads more I could do. I, I'm, how did you get to Devon? I could do. Uh, did you I went go on a horse. Train. <laughs> you could have gone to, to Devon on a horse and then when he got really tired of it, you could have shot it and then you could have had two of your greatest wishes come true in the same holiday. Well, what I'm trying to say is I'm just trying to kind of... I see I what you're doing, that yeah. we have to, We have to, you know, some people are going to eat meat and I don't really have a problem as long as it's raised in conditions. Animals will die eventually. It's about raising them in a way that, you know, is is nice where they're not having to grow ridiculously fast. No, I, you know, I like think that. most people would, would absolutely agree with that, John. I think most people would try to eat food which oh. is more, shall we say, uh, organically produced uh, and mm. which is treated better while it is alive. I take your point. Thanks for your call, John. Uh, however, I'd like to see another pie chart uh, that only makes up to 55%. Uh, let's talk to James in London. Hello, James. Happy Lloyd, Mike. Uh, very kind of you. Thank you, sir. What do you want to tell us? Oh, Mike, I'm just exhausted. It's going to be my Brexit rant now at the moment with uh, <laughs> Go on. with with, uh, with Jeremy Donkey Jacket. Yeah. Uh, sent, sent his last chance. Now, why is he sending this letter to the head of the civil servants when, when, he, when I don't think they'll have a vote in no confidence because that would require at least 75 Tory MPs to bring their own government down. And I don't think that's going to happen. Why are they grasping at straws, Mike? Well, because that's the only thing they've got to grasp at, I'm afraid. I mean, this is a guy who's losing 100 Labour Party members a day, right, just because of the fact that he's useless. And he's never going to... I don't think he's ever going to win an election. But the idea that he's now calling Boris Johnson uh, an abuser of power for wanting to have an election is laughable, isn't it? Mike, it's, it's totally... You know, everyone's a constitutional expert. 
Uh, these MPs need to go back to school because constitutionally they voted for no deal. The absolute bunch of vegetables that are down in that in that palace <laughs> in West Mike. Well, they're not eating enough, they're not eating enough meat, that's for sure. There's something going wrong. Well, well Mike, let's go and eat the MPs. There's enough vegetables there for us to go for us to give up forever. Vegan government, that's what we could have. That's a great <laughs> idea, James. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, it is quite hard to believe, isn't it, what is going on in the Labour Party? I mean, this is supposed to be one of the worst. I mean, it's slightly better now, obviously, with Boris Johnson. But while Theresa May uh, was at the helm, while Theresa May was in government, while she was in Downing Street, while she was running what can only be described as one of the worst Tory governments in the history uh, of Tory governments, right? Jeremy Corbyn couldn't lay a glove on her. The Labour Party became even more unpopular during her time uh, than at any other time when he was in charge. I mean, it's just barely, uh, barely to be believed, isn't it? It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Uh, anyone who drives around a lot in this country, and I don't actually do that that much anymore, but, uh, you know, I still do it from time to time. I'm staggered at the uselessness of the, uh, this, the driving skills in this country. We seem to have lost the ability to drive. Everybody seems to not know what to do. The number of times, and I've said this ad nauseam probably to a lot of people listening to this show on a regular basis, the number of times I come up to a roundabout... And everyone is sitting there not knowing what to do and who's got priority. It's quite extraordinary. The number of times you come to a roundabout and somebody comes around the roundabout without having an indicator on of any kind. So you're supposed to kind of... And I always say the same thing. My kids always look at me as if I've gone mad. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll just try and guess which way you're going, shall I? You know, I always speak to them, even though they can't hear me. Let's talk to Mike Rutherford, uh, a man who's done more driving, I think, than most people have had hot dinners. Mike, a very good afternoon to you. Hello, Michael. Are you still driving the Jag? I am, but I've got to give it back in uh, in October, so I'm getting a new car. But I'm I'm I'm, not, I'm frightened of asking you whether I should get what I'm getting because you might tell me it's a bad idea. Go on, I'll be honest with you. I'm getting a Range Rover Villar. Very nice. Yeah. I drove one down to the Frankfurt Motor Show last year. Okay. Of all the cars in the world, I could have chosen for that sort of thousand mile round trip, London to Frankfurt and back. I chose the Villar. Really? 
you've chosen well. Oh, good. Okay. Well, I, well, I'll take that as a as a as a, a nod of uh, of approval. Thank you very much indeed. Now, what about the driving uh, sort of styles of this country? We seem to have lost the ability to drive. Haven't we? Well, um, it's quite interesting. Sorry about that noise, Michael. I'm in the street in in the West End. Okay. It's quite interesting because um, don't don't take this personally, Mike. But if you if you if you uh, if you speak to any driver, it's always the other bloke. Oh, yeah. um, so it starts with us looking at ourselves, I think. I think there are huge issues, and I seem, things seem to be getting worse. And sometimes when I, you know, on a rare occasion, I wouldn't advise doing this necessarily because you don't know how people will react, but on the rare occasion I've pulled into a service area or somewhere at the same time as somebody who's just done something really stupid, like yeah. been, been driving with their fog lights on or not indicated as they turned off. And I've politely told them, hey, fella, do you know you're doing that? Um, usually they're clueless. Mm. They honestly say, what did it, What have I done wrong? What are you talking about? Well, you know you've got your fog light on and it's not foggy. Right. No, they don't. So I think a lot of it is ignorance. And I think a lot of it also is down to the fact that, and I don't know if I've preached this on your program before, but I've done it certainly on lots of radio stations, Michael, that we should all be having annual appraisals as drivers. Yes. That, does, that doesn't mean a test. That doesn't mean a retest. It means that you go along, as I do, to a company called XCOPS, um, which, surprisingly enough, are, are police drivers who now, <laughs> now enough, retired. Yeah. Right. Um, and they will take you out in your car or their car for a price of about 30 or 40 quid. It's just an hour of their time. Right. And they'll just sit next to you and watch you and just watch the things you do. Right. And, they, and they will say to you, um, do you know that you've got this terrible habit of doing this or not doing that? Right. Or when you... When you overtook that bicycle, you didn't give the rider as much room as you should. And all it is is a refresher course. Mm. And, and, and it gives you a chance to say, I'm coming up to this junction. I'm never sure what lane I should be in. And they explain right. the lane you should be in, et cetera, et cetera. Now, I don't think you need a government to do that. I don't think you need the Department for Transport. I think people need to do it themselves. Just contact your local driving school and say, don't teach me how to drive. Just come out with me for an hour in my car and tell me what I'm doing right and wrong. And I tell you what, you will learn more in that hour about your driving abilities, or lack thereof, than you will yes. by, you know, driving around for 100 years. No, I think you're absolutely right. I think there's an awful lot of it is, is about self-awareness, I think. And you see so many people in cars doing different things. I mean, you don't, hopefully, anyway, see too many people on phones anymore, although you still see that quite a bit in the City of London, because I think people feel like they're driving so slowly that it doesn't really matter, when of course, yeah. it, when of course it does. But, I mean, surely one of the things that the government could do or that, that, that maybe the insurance business could do is if they, if they encourage people to do what you do, they could say you get 20% off your insurance or something. Well, even if they paid for the 20, 30 quid session, they'd be quids in because you'd come away and much sort of be money in the bank for yeah. them, you know. Um, there's another factor as well in all this, Mike, and there's a danger that people, you know, when you say something like this, they hail you as racist. But let me just say... Actually, I was speaking to my Italian mother this morning yeah. and, and my wife, who's from the other side of the world. So I think that, I think that makes me... It's fair game if I say this, therefore, that there are a lot of... Uh, uh, an awful lot of uh, foreign drivers in Britain. There Either are. They're, visit, they're visiting for the day. They're visiting for, from France or whatever. They're, they're on their holidays. They're living here. They were born in other countries. They were used to learning to drive in other countries. And rules differ from country to country. I notice that Americans don't very often indicate no. when they turn. And they never thank you either for letting them in. Right, that sort of thing. Yeah. Now, we, we've got to, we've got to recognise that some of the people that we're sharing the road with 
um, are going to be people that learn to drive in different countries, that have come to our country. Well, you know, who sits down and reads the highway code? Honestly, right. Um, well, that's not the... a bad. In, that's not a bad investment either. No, exactly way. right. I think the other. Them. I mean, the other problem I think with and, and, and that we have seen cases of, of, of certain commercial drivers coming from uh, the continent of Europe and perhaps not being entirely au fait with uh, some of the safety reasons for not driving as long hours as they sometimes do. But also, yeah. I think if if you have come here with a car that's got a registration in Europe, you're allowed to drive here, I believe, uh, for a year before applying for an international licence. And so what I know a lot of people used to do, and this, I because I, I did an investigation when I was working up in Scotland, is that they will take the car back out of the country before the year is up and then come back in, and that way yeah. they've got another year so that they, that they never have to take a test effectively. Right, take it over to Calais for the day. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, I mean... <laughs> Absolutely. And the, the other one, of course, is there, there are cultural differences. Yeah. And this is nothing to do with where you were born. I mean, it's just that your approach to things. I often toot people who get completely irate because I've had the temerity to sound my horn at them. Guess why I sound, sound my horn at them? It, it's a tap on the horn to warn them that I'm coming. Right. In case you haven't seen me, yeah. uh, I, I overtook a cyclist the other day. I gave him as much room as I could, but it was a bit tight. It was a very narrow lane. I just gave him a quick toot yeah. to say, I'm, I'm behind you, chap, because I thought you might have been swaying out to go right. And he gave me the two-finger salute. Of course. You're lucky he didn't <laughs> film you and put you on YouTube. But, but one of the things that we're being told, right, is that this written test that is now being taken and being and made, uh, making uh, people are made to take um, is proving so difficult that about half the learner drivers who are taking the written test are actually failing it. And I'm looking at some of the questions here in a piece that I'm looking at, and here's one, and I'm not even sure I know the answer to this. It says you can park on the right-hand side of a road at night, A, in a one-way street, B, with your side lights on, C, more than 10 metres from a junction, or D, under a lamppost. <laughs> now, I want to say, um, with your side lights on, but I'm not sure. Um, well, I, I don't think you do need to have your side lights on. I mean, but these are grey areas you're touching on, uh, and, they, and there are plenty, plenty more of them. And the question is, how do we get, whether we're, we're established drivers like you and I that learned to drive 100 years ago, yeah. or, or newcomers, or people who are new to the country, how do we get people to read books like that and to keep reading theory books? Listen, Mike, you probably started like I did in the 80s, in Fleet Street, working for newspapers. I'm sure I had a book which was fascinating at the time. I couldn't put it down. The Theory and Practice of Journalism. Yeah. And I, I used to read, I think it was called that, and I, I used to read it religiously all the time. I used to refer to it. I haven't looked at that book for 20-odd years, 30 years, and that's the problem. You know, we need to sit down and just keep reminding ourselves of some of the rules of the road and the rules as they affect pedestrians. Yeah. I mean... I hate it when car drivers turn the corner when I'm waiting, uh, you know, I'm, I'm waiting to cross the side road and a car will come along and not indicate because there's no car behind it, but you need to indicate for the pedestrian as well. Well, exactly right. And you just, I mean, I say now to anyone, I mean, when I was walking around London yesterday with my son, walking from basically Westminster Station down to Victoria, we were going to see a, a play, a musical, um, and I said, look, you've got to keep your wits about you because there are people coming at you from all sorts of places. Many of them are not going to stop just because you think they are. Some of them are on bikes. You've got to look for the two ways for the two cycle lanes. We nearly got hit by a bus driver who was coming around the corner just by Queen Elizabeth Hall and should have stopped because there was a zebra crossing just in front of us. I have to admit we were crossing not on the zebra crossing. However, he should have stopped because he was going very slowly, but he just kept going, kept coming at us. And in the end, we had to jump out of the way. Yeah. 
Well, I, I, I've been there myself, and I, you've touched on another area as well. When people aren't paying attention, you're saying to yourself, well, I'm assuming the driver is looking at the road. He's coming down the road. Uh, he's going to see me, you know, if I'm sort of, if I've got a foot in the curb or whatever. H- hang on. He may be making the mistake uh, by using um, a piece of uh, tech that I think is more dangerous, even more dangerous than the mobile phone because it's so complicated. And that's the that's the dash-mounted sat-nav system. Yes. People have got their hands and their faces buried in that screen in front of them, and they're not looking through the glass down the road. And, uh, you know, it, it staggers me that there isn't a campaign, you know, just as there should be a campaign, to... Uh, to raise uh, awareness of the dangers of using phones. Believe me, Mike, as, you know, as a World Car of the Year juror, I, I drive hundreds of cars a year, yeah. and the biggest problem I have by far, the biggest problem, the biggest danger I put myself in, without doubt, is playing with sat-nav systems when I'm driving, and they're getting more and more complicated. Yeah. I don't mind telling you, I drove a very nice uh, Volvo test car earlier this week, great car, I would take it back after a test drive if I was a potential customer and say, I don't want this car because I can't live with the ridiculously complicated sat-nav system. Yeah. We've got to do away with that sort of stuff. Yeah, they really do. You're absolutely right, Mike. I know you've got to run. Thanks very much for taking the time to talk to us. Mike Rutherford there, a professional driver practically, but motoring correspondent uh, for many years and a man that knows more about driving probably than most of us do uh, and have ever known. More gun talk from a water pistol from the farmer of fury. The independent republic of Mike Graham. On Talk Radio. It's Friday, it's 12.34. It's time for this. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Perrier Awards. Now, I don't know whether this particular piece of music will appear in the playlist for today's show, because well, I'd be keen to know where it comes from, actually, if indeed it does have any antecedents. I can't remember it. I think it's from the Oscars or the BAFTAs or something oh, right, like okay. that. Shall we say we don't put it in the playlist? Yeah, let's yeah, just we not don't. put it yeah, in the playlist. We are putting a playlist out, though. It's a new thing we're going to do. Uh, we started yesterday. People seem quite happy to do it and to read about all the good choices of music that we've got. Anyway, uh, welcome to the Perry Awards. Con Mendez is here to present them once again. Yes. A uh, very good uh, afternoon to you. Thank you, Mike. People uh, are saying you're looking a bit pale. Yeah, that's... Uh, maybe I need to, just some more time off, I think. It's just your look, isn't it? I think it? I need some more time off, ah, that okay. probably means. All right. Uh, let's begin. Welcome once more to the Perry Thank Awards. You. This is where we go back over the past week of the so-called Independent so-called. Republic of Mike Graham and choose our favourite moments, and what a special occasion. May I say what an honour it is to host the Perriers on the birthday of the one and only Anna Kendrick, the star <laughs> of the brilliant... <laughs> Pitch Perfect films. Uh, of course, it's yeah. not just her birthday today, it. though. No. No, uh, myself and the production team behind the glass would all like to send our very best wishes Thank to you. YouTube star uh, <laughs> Anwar Jabawi, uh, our very favourite. Yeah. And that's uh, all the notable mentions done with. So let's move on with Excellent. the Perry Awards. Because I'm getting a bit sick of all these people wishing me happy birthday. Oh, is it your honest. birthday? I didn't know. Yeah, uh, as is tradition, Mike, uh, the first award goes to you. Thank you. Uh, this conversation when speaking to Rebecca Davidson from from NUF Mutual, aren't uh, you the perrier for assumption sure of the week? NFU Mutual. And so, I mean, you're, this is an announcement rather than anything else then, a 26% rise in claims. I mean, you're not providing us with a solution for it or a suggestion of what we can do. We do provide solutions and suggestions. <laughs> 
<laughs> you didn't like that one. It was a bit no. snitty with the answer there. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of, It was one of those, actually, it kind of came out of sounding more rude than I meant it to be. I wasn't really trying to be rude, funnily enough, just for a change. <laughs> no, it was good fun. Uh, yes. That was the presumption of the week. Um, of course, that is not to be confused with the Assumption of the Week Award. That's a completely different one. <laughs> and that was won this week by Graham and Grantham. Ah. Let me give you just a quick example of it. Um, I was at a particular hospital a while ago and I saw the engineer there and uh, he said to me, oh, that ball valve on that machine's gone. We all know what ball valve is, you know. <laughs> yeah, we all know. <laughs> yeah, I was shaking my head when he said that because I don't actually. Oh, I can't go one week without hearing about ball valves. Mm. Uh, um, Calder Richard in Manchester wins two Perry Awards at the very same time. Both the most satisfied listener and the weirdest comment of the week. Let's talk to Richard, who's in Manchester. Hi, Richard. Well, good morning, uh, Mike. Morning. Listening to, listening to your programme is better than having sex, I tell you. I'm not... Steady. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Say no more. Let's yeah. just sort of gloss over that one. Yeah, weird. Yeah. Uh, Mike, you're never short of ideas. Some mm. are stronger than others. I'm afraid you have won the worst idea of the week. <laughs> you know, but when we leave on the 31st, Thursday night... Right. I wonder whether we'll be broadcasting here uh, at Talk Radio. Maybe everybody can be on the same uh, programme. We can have Matthew Wright, we can have Ian Lee, we can have me, we can have John Nicholson, we can have Julia Hartley Brewer, and we can have a whole massive like, all-night party on Talk Radio. It'll be fantastic. It might end up in a punch-up. You never know. What's wrong with that? Well, uh, have you not taken this further? <laughs> no, there'd be a little tension. What type of party with all that tension? In I the think room? it would be ideal. It'd be well, like presumably like election night at the BBC when they're all wheeling each other, you know, wheeling people in and out yeah. and don't agree with each other. Yeah, or just a wedding. Oh, uh, or a wedding. Yeah. 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 Um, anyway, uh, along similar lines, tweeter Stefan got in touch and he won the Perrier for advice of the week. Stefan has tweeted me. He says, "I've had two private parking company tickets. Binned both. You can do it if the car is not yours and you have no." Mortgage. Uh, they stopped bugging me after a year or so. Well, I'm not sure if that's absolutely the way to go, Stefan. <laughs> what life is that? I know. You have no mortgage and also you keep using other people's cars. <laughs> yeah. For no reason. And then getting tickets. Very odd. Uh, this Sounds one... like criminal. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but he isn't, uh, as far as we're aware. Right. Uh, we should make sure. Well, we'll see. We'll uh, see <laughs> this is a great one. <laughs> Special investigation next week. Uh, this is a great one from the Julia Hartley Breakfast Show. Uh, her interview with the Sir Julia Malcolm... Julia Hartley Breakfast? Yeah. Uh, her interview with Sir Malcolm Rifkind won the Perrier for Clash of the Week. Then he will lose that. Okay. But that is the proper way to do that, it. That, yeah, that is the proper way to do it, but one could... argue. Uh, way one, to do it. But Sir, Mal Sir Malcolm... So Malcolm, but, but 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 you already know we have already had the verdict of the British people in no, terms. But Sir Malcolm, with all due respect, Sir Malcolm, Sir Malcolm, with all due respect, could I actually Union. finish asking a question? Would that be okay? Just so we, so we're not talking over each deal, other. Sir Malcolm, like could, not, I, could I? Could okay. Sir Malcolm, sir. Have never been given the opportunity sir, could I? Okay. So, Malcolm, under the terms of invoking Article 50, it doesn't say with a deal we leave the European Union on. Well, it was supposed. Well, can I? Well. Can I please? Can I, sir? Sir, could I? No, sir. Could I? Could I please? Sir Malcolm. Sir Malcolm, could I please finish a question and then and then I will leave you to give plenty of time to give your answer. Right. But, <laughs> 
What was the question? <laughs> no idea. A lot achieved there. Well done, everyone. Very good. <laughs> You've got to take your hat off to Julie Hartley. Oh, she, she did well. To, I mean, she has to be continually polite mm, uh, while obviously yeah. getting more and more irate because somebody <laughs> won't stop talking and listen. Uh. Oh, great moment. Uh, Les in West Mid's another caller. He wins the Perrier for Noise of the Week. And also, without the, the British state, there would be no um, employment for HMRC uh, employees in Edinburgh, which is oh. a large number. That Ooh. was a good noise, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. great noise. Yeah. Um, we often talk about post-Brexit scaremongering, don't yes. we, Mike? Uh, so winning scaremongerer of the week is Malcolm in Oxford. The Dominic Greaves of this world, the Chukaramunas, why don't they just come out and say their aim is to revoke Article 50? It will cause an absolute... Well... <laughs> uh, what? <laughs> he didn't know. He wasn't sure. <laughs> Pretty <laughs> scary, though, whatever it was. Yeah, for yeah, sure. it sounds it. Uh, Bill in Plymouth made a great gaffe. He won the Perrier for best slip of the tongue. Bill, a very good morning to you. Welcome. Uh, good morning. Uh, yeah, I was just phoning up, mate, with regards to the guy saying about capital punishment yeah. back in our... Um, not capital punishment in our school, sorry. <laughs> well, that's a bit corporal harsh. Let's just stick with corporal punishment first and then see how that goes, shall we? <laughs> I mean, they do say that there is a lack of discipline in school. Yeah. But killing people is probably not the best way to sort it out, really. Definitely. No. And finally, yes. our intrepid newsreader, Rachel Jewell, has delivered once again. Now, we all know she is normally faultless with her reading, but occasionally the odd complicated name can catch oh, her yes. out. Uh, wrong name of the week goes to... Rachel Jewell. In the Derbyshire town of Whaley Bridge, 22 people are staying put. Deputy Chief Constable Rachel Swan says she'll keep talking to them. It is a tough one, Rachel. Yeah, because you don't say it a lot when it's your own name, really, do you? Hello, my name's... Can't say it. Um, that's it for the Perry Awards. There will be more right now. Yes, Mike, we of course haven't forgotten. It is your birthday, so Thank I thought you. as a special treat, uh, we'd go back into the archives, mm. which date all the way back to April, uh, to find our favourite <laughs> MG clips. Of course. Uh, we've got what, three you here for you. Nothing from the old building, you mean? No, yeah. In other words. Uh, three to get through here, so uh, um, let's begin with this one. It's your worst sentence ever. I think every time she's offered a choice, she chooses the wrong way. That seems to me to be her métier and her forte and, and all sorts of other French words that I can come up with <laughs> to sound intelligent. That's good, though, isn't it? Métier and forte in the same... I bet you couldn't put those in a sentence. No, I, I couldn't. You're right. I don't speak French. So, um, uh, And as we've had that, it's only fair that we hear your best sentence Thank you ever. very much. Well, the sun is shining uh, lovely uh, this morning. Uh, that's even a dreadful say, way to say that. <laughs> yeah. Well, do you know, the number of words... Have anybody ever counted how many words I actually utter during the course of the uh, week? No, we're quite... Busy behind the glass normally, so that would be quite a job. Don't, don't talk rubbish. <laughs> busy behind the glass. Do what exactly? Well, speaking to all our brilliant callers. Yes, that's there, true. Yeah. Somebody uh, just rung me, right, who knows me very well, uh, who knows I have a radio show that's on from 10 to 1. I can only assume he's ringing me to wish me a happy birthday. Do you want to name and shame them? Donald McLeod. Ah, oh, Donald. From Scotland. <laughs> from Scotland? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So if you are in Scotland, have a word. Well, he might be in Scotland. If you see him, tell him to stop ringing me before one o'clock. <laughs> OK. Um, we got one more. Uh, and to finish, finish us off, uh, featuring our regular and, if anything, persistent caller, Susan in Exeter. Ah, yes. Uh, here is your best question ever. Can this woman... I don't have an issue with women. I, I'm a woman myself. Are you? Um, <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> 
are you? It's the way you ask the questions that can be important. Yes, uh, that is that really is, is it, it for the Perry Awards. There will be more with Marta next week. Marta! The Perry Awards on Talk Radio. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. So if you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday on Talk Radio, via DAB, online or via the Talk Radio app. If you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. 